Hello everyone and welcome back to the Bridgehead. Today we're going to be having a discussion that might be uncomfortable for some of you to listen to. So just to warn you up front, I'm going to be talking to Paul Laverne, who is a therapist out of Peterborough, Ontario. And I actually met him in Ottawa a few weeks ago at the Strong and Free conference to, to fight pornography. Uh, some of you may remember that we talked about this particular conference on this show with Josh Gilman when we talked about the connection between incels and pornography. And so Paul Laverne was there to speak on pornography from a therapist's perspective. I was there to talk about the sexual revolution and sort of the cultural foundation of pornography. But I thought his perspective was, was really, really interesting, and I've, I've been wanting to have him on this show for a while, so Paul and I have been trying to connect and, and set up a good time. And so finally, uh, this afternoon, it worked out, and we got to, to get together and have a discussion, and we talked about pornography, the dangers of pornography, the impact that it has, and so some of this information is, is pretty graphic, and it's pretty brutal, but I think that our culture needs to hear this, and I think that... If you're living in 2018, you're living in North America, this is the sort of information you need to know because this is the kind of thing that is quite literally shaping the world that you're living in. It's shaping the lives of your friends, your family, your children. This is information that you owe it to yourself to discover so that you can respond to it in a productive way. So this is my conversation with Paul Laverne. I hope you found it or find it as informative as I did. So explain to our listeners what it is exactly that you do, because when people hear the phrase sex therapist, I don't think they quite understand what that means often. No, and I often get confused with a sex therapist. I'm not actually a, a sex therapist. I'm, I'm a sex addiction therapist. So <laughs> I'm, I'm a, well, first of all, I'm a registered psychotherapist. So I, I counsel um, on a wide range of issues. So a lot of the common ones are, you know, depression, anxiety, relationship and marriage counseling. But about half of my clients struggle with what I call compulsive sexual behaviors. So the difference between a sex therapist and myself is a sex therapist uh, is generally interested in helping people improve their sex lives and they tend to operate from the philosophy of anything goes. So, you know, you want to swing, you want to use toys, you want to watch porn, that's all good. So that's that's not what I do. People that come to me are um, engaging in behaviors that are causing them problems. So the most common one is compulsive porn viewing, mm -hmm. and usually masturbation goes with that. And other issues are uh, affairs, serial affairs, hooking up, anonymous sex, uh, soliciting sexual acts online, um, you know, using dating sites, sexting, escorts, rub and tugs, phone sex, uh, that sort of thing. So that's who I work with. So the one thing I want to narrow in on, because that's the, the topic I talk about a lot on the show, is the topic of pornography. From your perspective, uh, is porn ubiquitous, and what is the impact porn's having on our culture from where you're sitting, from what you see? Right, yeah, I mean, I still run into people once in a while uh, where, you know, when I mention the word pornography, they think we're talking about Playboy or something like that. That's not what we're dealing with. Porn is ubiquitous. 
And it's so it's it's completely changed, Jonathan, in the last twenty years, as you're well well aware. And this has been driven by changes in the internet and in technology. So literally almost this is what I call the unprecedented situation in our culture. Never before in the history of the human race have so many people had so much unlimited access to hardcore sexual material. And almost everybody from the age of about 13 and up carries a portable electronic pornography delivery device in their pocket. Right. It's what I'm talking on right now. It's called a cell phone, right? So pornography now is so easily accessible. They talk about the four A's of pornography. Anonymous, accessible, affordable, and aggressive. And I say the word aggressive because they are coming for you, all right? Um, when we talk about the pornography industry today, we're talking about very well-funded, uh, multi-billion-dollar uh, national corporations that are behind the making and the delivery of pornography. So what it, it's changed. In, in about 20 years ago, porn was mostly small companies that would um, there, there would be millions of websites of mostly small companies delivering their own, you know, product, if you will, and posting it online. And what's happened over the last 20 years is these have been quietly bought up by a few um, large companies, uh, the largest of which is MindGeek, right. located in Montreal, and they basically um, have almost an oligopoly on the delivery of pornography. So these companies have uh, sales teams, board of directors, marketing strategists, uh, tech experts. In fact, a lot of the most advanced cutting-edge technology on the Internet has been driven by the pornography industry. They're pushing virtual reality technology and um, anything else that can enhance the delivery of their, of their product. So it's a whole different world out there, and it's 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 kind of scary. Um, so what I see is, you know, kids getting hooked. Typically, the typical story is, you know, getting hooked at 10, 11, 12 years old because their parents let them, you know, go in their bedroom with a computer and a internet, and uh, they'll, they'll start watching porn. And by the time I've seen them, maybe in their early 20s, they've already logged thousands and thousands of hours of, uh, of porn use. Thousands and thousands of hours. Yeah, I just talked to, um, I had a 23-year-old client a few months ago, and we had done the math, and we come up with a number of around 8,000 hours. And what kind of... Uh, that's, yeah, that, that's just by age 23, oh. right? So he's logged 8,000 hours of um, basically bonding his brain and his sex drive and his reward system, uh, bonding that to the fantasy world of object sex, right? Right. So what's what's happening is we have a whole generation now. I mean, uh, and just you know, stop me if you have. I'm just like all over the place because you know me. I'm like I can talk all day. About yeah, it, yeah. Well, right? you know, keep going. So, yeah. So if you need to fire some specific questions, you know, <laughs> just go ahead at any time, right? But. Um, 
we have what's happening, John, and we have a whole generation of guys that's being uh, that's being uh, raised by the internet, and it's completely rewiring their sexuality. Right. And so a lot of them are. We now have guys in their in their twenties who have what's called porn-induced erectile dysfunction. So they're unable to. Uh, maintain or have a normal sexual relationship with a with a real partner, and um, they also have very low relationship skills, um, dating skills, courtship skills. You know, just knowing how to relate to a person of the opposite sex um, because their their only experience is relating to a computer screen and that fantasy world of opposite sex. So it's 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 really you know, it's a great social experiment. Right. And, and, and I don't know what's going to happen. Like, we haven't seen the full effect of it, but I'm starting to see it now in my office, and it really scares me. So one of the things I get a lot of is I, I, talk, I do a lot of talks on this in high school. I get people who call me, email me. We have discussions. I do a lot of writing and research on this. Uh, I know you've read my book. Yeah. And one of the things that I've really been examining are the connections between porn and sexual violence, which of course, is, is partially due to what you just described as the rewiring of the brain and, of course, the reorienting or shaping of the attractions. Have you dealt right. with that in any sense about how guys' attractions are changing and their attractions are, are becoming utterly perverse in ways that simply would not have taken place if they hadn't been exposed to pornography? Yeah, all the time, because we, we, there's, there's two concepts people have to understand about pornography. One is uh, it, it is an educational tool, and secondly, it normalizes everything. Right. So I hear examples all the time. For example, a guy talks to me. He's been using porn for you know his entire you know adult life, and he's like, and it's interesting because he's one of the few guys I'm thinking of right now who's actually all on his own uh, questioning his own behaviors and he's like why do I want to choke my girlfriend while I'm having sex with her choke her I guess yeah why would anyone unless you're an MMA fighter and you're going for a submission there's no reason to choke anybody is there yeah but this is part of what's normalized in porn and then girls are telling me like my boyfriend wants you know I don't know how graphic we get on this podcast but you can always edit me out but you know they want anal sex they want to ejaculate on my face and I'm like oh well he gets that from porn like I know that right, right. yep because because and so and and here here's another interesting twist on that is um, I had a client who was um, sexually abused by a stepsister and interestingly enough one of the genres of porn and by the way in all, all the different variations of incest porn are among the most popular on the internet. Yeah, I saw that. But one, but right, but one of his, uh, I just saw a post on, on, on somewhere on Facebook or something today. And um, anyways, one of the genres that he got into was stepsister porn. So the average guy off the street goes, "Ew, that's gross. You're a pervert." Mm. You know, I, I, I just, I'm interested in, you know, where does that come from, right? And uh, I'll never forget his answer. Don't forget, he was sexually abused by his stepsister. And I said, why do you think he watched that porn? And he said, well, it made what happened to me seem not so bad. Right. Wow. Right? And I I mean, 
I hear these stories all the time, and I was like, wow, okay? So there's lots of different ways this can go, you know? Mm. But absolutely, it's changing. I would say it generally normalizes violence against women because most of the porn out there has either a small degree or an extreme degree of violence, um, all the way up to choking, slapping, punching, kicking, verbal abuse, urinating on them. Uh, I mean, anything you can think of, right? Now, one of the so things that I want to... One of, the, one of the things I want to uh, really drill down on here, just because a lot of people hear this and they're like, I can't believe there's a handful of people out there watching this stuff and getting into it. To what extent are, are, are like behaviors like that becoming normalized for the majority? That's really what, what I want people to understand. Right. So if we, if we look at the most recent statistics on porn, whether it's Gallup, like Gallup, okay, Right. has done surveys on this. We all know Gallup. They're the largest, most well-known and prestigious organization that polls on the widest range of human behaviors. And we're generally around 50%, give or take, that regularly watch porn. Okay? Right. So, so that just in North America alone puts us in the tens of millions, right? Right. 300 million in the U.S., 30 million in Canada. Okay? Half of them are men. That's a hundred and uh, you know, hundred and sixty five million. So half of that, eighty million? Yeah. In North America, regularly watching porn. Okay. And uh, then there's you know, that so there's a range of course, there's you know, once a week. Uh, and by the way, this includes Christians and this includes pastors. Now the pastors numbers are lower but are still uh, ranging around the 30% range. And I, you know, you, you know, you, you may have heard something different. You do a lot of research on this too, but does that, does that kind of jive with what yeah. you've read? Yeah. So for your yeah. per- personal experiences then, cause you do a lot of counseling, and a lot of therapy on this. What is this doing to people's relationships? Cause my experience is, is that people in their twenties, like their marriages are collapsing before they even get started uh, because of pornography. Right. But what are you dealing with? Well, I'm dealing with every, so I deal with everything from couples that watch porn together and are okay with it. Right. And, and so that's basically the millennial generation. There's a demarcation between 30 years and up and 30 and under. So 30 and under have been raised with the internet and it's much, much more normalized and much more accepted. I, I can't tell you how many women who have told me I don't under 30. I don't, Paul, I don't even know a guy that doesn't watch porn. Right. You know, because their boyfriend will even admit to watching porn, and, and, and I'll say, well, you, you do realize that you don't have to settle for that, right? Like, you're worth more than competing with these thousands of other naked images. And most of the time, the response to me is, yeah, but wh- where am I going to find a guy that does that? Right. So, so they're almost throwing in the towel already. Okay, so let's so let's say these are people in their 20s. Let's fast forward 10 years, okay? Okay. So most of the time, and this is how it, this is speaking to your question of how does it impact relationships. Mm-hmm. Let's fast forward 10 years in their 30s. They don't really have a clue. I'm talking about uh, in my example, I'll say the guy is a porn user, okay? 
and the wife or girlfriend is, is the non-user, although women are also addicted, okay, but just for the sake of argument. Okay. And 90% of the time, she really has no idea how much porn he's really watching right. or the kind of porn he's watching, okay? Right. So uh, fast forward 10 years, and she's starting to think like, you know what, I'm not sure if I'm really cool with this anymore. Uh, he's starting to change. The way he treats me is changing. His character is changing. I don't like this sense of, of, you know, he's keeping secrets from me and he's not really being honest with me. And so she will uh, confront him or, you know, maybe catch him doing some things that weren't okay, like texting other girls, webcamming, you know, communicating. So there's a bit of a blow-up. And uh, the issue is always uh, the lies and secrets. Okay? Right. So I'm not okay with you doing this, and you've been hiding this from me. You've been hiding the extent of your porn use from me. And the guy's like, oh, okay, fine. I didn't realize it bothered you. I'm sorry. I'll try harder. I'll quit or whatever. And then he gets better at lying, and he gets better at hiding it. And then you uh, repeat that process. So I, I just spoke to a couple today who have gone through this, you know, catching him promising to change, lying, getting caught again, about 20 times in the relationship. Right. And she's done. She's, like, they're, 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 they want to work through it. I'm working with them to help them. But she's at the end. She's like, I am not doing this anymore. So so what happens is, is, is it erodes. So it's shifted now, okay? The issue isn't even about pornography. It's about the secrecy and the lies and the broken promises. So what people don't get is that the the side effect, if you want, of having porn in your marriage is that you almost always end up there, there's an element of dishonesty and secrecy that creeps in, and that will all, that's what will destroy a relationship. And every woman I've ever talked to, without fail, when I ask them what's worse, the porn or the lying, they always say the lying. Always, right, right. So what? And, and yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, just just a step further, because um, I, I know I've seen some stats on this, but you deal with this one on one. What impact is pornography having regarding actual divorces? Like, are there a lot of relationships that are simply not surviving the discovery of a porn habit? Absolutely, there are, there are a lot. So the, the fallout is quite staggering. Like the the American Association of Matrimonial Lawyers is saying 30 to 50% of divorces cite compulsive sexual behavior and pornography being the most common. So uh, that, that equates to about 300,000 divorces last year in North America. Wow. Or, well, this is America. So this is, yeah, this is just America. So, you know, Take 10% of that for Canada because we're 10% of the population. So let's say 30,000 marriages bit the dust last year because of something to do with this, right? So I don't know of another greater cause of divorce. Me, you know, if, if someone does, please let us know. But I don't know of, 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 a, of a, a bigger cause of divorce than that, than that one factor alone right there. All right, final question. For the people listening to this that do struggle with porn, know somebody who struggles with porn, 
uh, and everybody does whether they know it or not. What kind of advice do you have? Okay, so if you're listening to this and you're watching porn and you're not sure if it's quote-unquote an addiction, it may have been such a normal part of your life that you've never really questioned it. But let me ask you a couple questions. Have you ever tried to cut back or stop and failed? Okay, and have you ever continued to do this despite negative consequences? Has there been an escalation in your behavior where you need to watch more porn or harder porn? And have you developed a secret life? And, and if the answer to those is yes, you meet the criteria for an addiction and you, you need to get help. If you're a girl or a woman, single or married, and your partner, your boyfriend or husband is watching porn, I want to encourage you, you don't need to settle for that. Deep down, you resent having to be compared to all these other women. Deep down, you know you can't compete with them, nor should you have to. And deep down, you really want something more. And it's perfectly within your rights to have good, healthy boundaries about that and say, I don't do relationships with porn. I didn't sign up to share my bed with 10,000 other naked women. And you go to your party and say, I need you to do something about this. Right. But I, I definitely want to have an, uh, an, uh, an optimistic note, Jonathan. I have, I have, I for years have led many people to successful recovery. Uh, not, not because I'm some kind of genius, but I'm, I'm a recovering person and I know what works. And it's not really complicated. You just need a system in place and some accountability to, to hold you to follow that system. And uh, I've seen people achieve great results. I've seen couples come through this and, and recover from the devastation that it's had on their relationships. And, um, you know, really, I've seen people's lives changed. But don't, you know, if you're listening to this now and you think you may have a problem, get some help. Get a hold of Jonathan. Uh, my, you know, uh, he can give you my information. Uh, or just, you know, see someone that's trained specifically in this. And this is the other thing. Most mental health professionals in Canada... Um, we're really behind the curve right now because this is this problem has grown so fast. It's out it's outstripped all the the training and the knowledge that most therapists out there have. And unless they've been trained to deal with these specifically, they're not going to be able to help you. Well, Paul, thanks a lot for joining us to talk about this. No problem, Jonathan. I appreciate the time and uh, be glad to come back whenever. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a conversation with Paul Laverne, who is a registered psychotherapist, uh, got his Bachelor of Arts degree at York University and his postgraduate studies at Yorkville as well, and he works out of Peterborough, Ontario. That's where he joined me from. Uh, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to this show. I know this was one of the ones that was more difficult to listen to. If you want to catch up on previous shows that we've done here on The Bridgehead, you can find us on SoundCloud, YouTube, or iTunes at The Bridgehead. And you can read our blog and constant, almost daily updates from the culture war at thebridgehead.ca. This show was brought to you by Total Rentals, and we hope that you'll join us again next week.